God, I thank you so much for this day. What a beautiful day. And um, Lord, I just ask that you'd help us to be here, to be present, to be in the moment. God, you have a purpose for us being here. Man, I am under no illusion that everyone wants to be here today. And there's people that are here purely out of faith because you've told them to, not for any desire. And God, I pray that, um, man, you would bless them for that and show them and speak to them. And uh, Lord, speak to all of us and help us to understand you and, um, man, maybe to shed some of this this weight and, and stress and all these things we carry, God, that just distract us from the kingdom and the good news. And Lord, I ask humbly um, that you would protect this place and help me to preach your word um, and only your word, Father. And I wouldn't get in the way. And I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. How you guys doing? All right. That's pretty good. Well, hey, welcome to The Remnant. If it's your first time or you haven't been here in a while, in case you forgot. I don't say it seven times anymore, so you have to listen now. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. <laughs> and, um, you know, I told you guys, we've done a lot of series lately, and this is not one of them. So as I mentioned before, I thought I was going to start the next series. I'm not, <clears throat> because I'll explain later why. This God had, a, uh, I think, a purpose here. So let me get, ask you guys a question. Does anyone have a coin on them? Anyone? I'll do a magic trick. You do? You want to bring it up here? You're a handsome guy. Catch anything. That's what I do. A quarter. Nice. So, thank you. I was supposed to bring one myself. I already ruined the analogy. But I have a, wow, what an interesting quarter. It's like a cross on the back of this. Anyway, uh, I've never seen this before. This is a quarter, right? Flip a coin. I'm going to ask you a question, and and I want you to seriously consider it for a second, okay? If you could flip a coin. Right? And you call it, and you get it right. For the rest of your life, you will have contentment, joy, peace. Right? Sounds pretty good. I mean that real like, this is a good day. Okay? You'd have a good day. However, if you call it wrong, you will not have those things. It doesn't mean you're going to get killed or anything, but it means every day is going to kind of just be worse than normal. It's going to be, you won't have joy, you won't have contentment, you won't have purpose. Everything's just dragging along, okay? Who would want to flip the coin? Now, rest of your life. There is no doing it back, okay? All right. Who would not? Yeah, I'm one of those as well. I like the two guys that are wild wild men here. All right, so let me change the the, the question because that's a big commitment, right? A whole lifetime. What if every day, this is a magic coin, and it's glowing, right? That's magic. Anyway, you have this coin, and every morning... You have to flip this coin. If you, if you own it, you, can, you can't get rid of it. It's like one of those movies, right? It's magic, but it's cursed, but it's not. So you have this coin. Every day you flip it, and the same thing happens, but it's daily, meaning it kind of resets. So you can wake up in the morning. First thing, you flip the coin. If you call it right, it's a great day, joy, peace, contentment, all that good stuff. If you flip it, if you don't call it correctly, the complete opposite. It's a bad day. There is no possibility of it going well. It's just one of those, ugh days. Would you do that? Raise your hand if you would do that. Interesting. Yeah. Raise your hand if you wouldn't. Nice. Hello to you controllers. I'm one of you, right? I also would raise my hand to that, right? Now, here's the thing. You could flip it every day, and for those 24 hours, it'd be the same. One more time. Who would do it? Who would not? Who didn't vote? Yeah, see? You raised your hand for that. Why? (laughs) You, you weren't the only one. They literally was like, yeah, I didn't vote. <laughs> I 
gotcha. All right. Most of us in this room, and it actually worked out, and I had a feeling it would, wouldn't want to leave that to chance. When it came to the, for the rest of your life, almost no one, two guys that are wild men, raised their hands, right? That's scary, though, because it makes you wonder, right, if it, if it landed and you didn't get it right. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that moment where you flip it, and it's like, ah, oh, great, it's like a movie, it's going slow-mo, and then it lands on its edge, and it spins, you know the scene, and then it's bad? That'd be tough. Most of us wouldn't want to leave that to chance. And even with the day, 24 hours, there were more people that raised their hand, but for the most part, we wouldn't. We wouldn't want to leave that to chance, to lose the ability to affect our days or lives. <clears throat> Does not sound appealing. Like losing that. <clears throat> yeah. She feels me. Yet, that's exactly how and this is kind of a true question, we live our lives, most of us. You just don't flip a coin. What do I mean by that? <clears throat> we wake up, most of us, kids, you may be there, teens, young adults, whatever you want to be called, <clears throat> but you probably are. We wake up and we say, let's hope today's a good day, right? Or we go to bed that night and say, man, I hope tomorrow's better than today. I know you've said that, right? I'm just so glad, I can't tell you how many times, I'm just glad this day's over, Right? How many people have said that in the last month? Oh, man, that's even more than I thought. Yeah, a lot of people. So stay with me. Let's hope today's a good day. Then, depending on a series of essentially random situations and events, we will either have a good day and meaning in our life where we might feel something uh, that we accomplished something of importance, that we had some happiness and good relationships, that work went well, all of these things is based on, at the end of that day, seemingly random events. Now, whenever I start getting deep, I'm already starting to lose some of you. I know you, you're smart people, so stay with me this morning. It's not even morning. It's 1130. <clears throat> so what I'm saying is, okay, is my spouse in a good mood? Was I, not, was I on time to work today? Or did, was I running late? Uh, were my coworkers grumpy? Did I mess something up at work? Um, did I stub my toe, right? Did my, did my car get a flat? On and on and on and on. Did I have to put air in my tires? I don't know why I'm obsessed with tires, but you get the point. On and on we go, hoping to have a good day by chance. I'm serious. Let that sink in. You are telling yourself, isn't that a coin flip? Isn't that what it is? You wake up. And you might say, I'm going to put a smile on my face, that's you flipping the coin, I'm going to go in, but at the end of the day, <laughs> this is a play on words there, at the end of the day, whether or not you had a good day is entirely dependent on a flip of the coin, random circumstances that determine the quality of your day. And you know how I know I can look, dude, some of you all, I want to come down and be like, this is literally you. This is who you are. I know you, you are this human being. Right? <clears throat> but all of us do it. I know I do. And that's hard for me to understand because as Christians, I'm going to talk to you first. If you're in the room, if you're in the room, you're at least open to the possibility of Christianity, right? And if most of you, I would hope, are Christians, you put your faith. So as Christians, I don't believe that is how our days are supposed to go. I don't believe that we're supposed to wake up and flip a coin and decide, and I'm already losing some of you. This is a great analogy, Todd. No, you don't get it. Let this sink in. I don't believe that is what life is supposed to be. 
I do not believe we're supposed to wake up every day and say, I hope today's a good day. I hope today's a great day. And base it on these random circumstances that may or may not happen. But we do. It's a coin flip. Even if you base it on one thing, man, I really hope that my marriage goes great today. Here's one for you young adults. I hope I get to see my girlfriend or boyfriend today. I hope, I hope, and if that doesn't happen, oops, landed on tails. You called heads. Right? It's not supposed to be. The Bible doesn't say, as far as I know, God doesn't say, hey, depending on what happens that day, you can have joy and purpose in your life. It'll be like flipping a coin. But when you die, things will be better. That's not the case. So instead, if God is our creator, if Christ died for our sins so that we can be free of sin and shame and regret and not be trapped in that, then that means we have, stay with me, a very specific purpose. You have a very specific purpose. We aren't accidents. And again, this is just going by the Bible. It tells us that we aren't accidents and life isn't just flipping a coin. No. You have zero control over what happens in your day. That's the truth. You can kind of set things up to make the odds a little better, right? It's kind of like when you go to bed that night, some of you, who who sets out their clothes for the next day the night before? I guess good. Who doesn't? Who didn't vote? I got you, Allie. I saw. Anyway, yeah, it's kind of like that, right? You can set things up to where it goes a little smoother, but at the end of the day, you don't really have control over whether that tire gets a flat, et cetera. We aren't accidents, and we don't have to flip a coin to determine our purpose. Now, before, if you're new here, I, I get, not frustrated is not the word. I understand that you're used to Christianese pastor talk. I get it, right? Here's the thing if you're new. I am a terrible pastor, okay? And what I mean by that is I'm not good at pastor talk. So if I'm saying this to you, we're figuring this out together. You don't have to be like, he's supposed to say that. Because I'm not going to tell you that if it's not true. But... When I look at the Bible, it's not a coin flip on whether we have joy, peace, patience, right? All those beautiful things we talked about last week. So switching gears a little and staying with that, purpose, joy, flipping coin. The fundamental human question, the fundamental human question in life, the question that we all want is what? What's that question? What is the meaning of life? What's the meaning of life? From... For thousands of years of human existence, that has been the question man, humanity, has wrestled with. From the Greek philosophers, right, to modern-day psychologists, to even scientists, every religion tries to give you an answer as to what is the meaning of life. And now you're sold the meaning of life, literally, right? Whether that's at Mart of Wall, right, or whether it's, see, I didn't see one. It's Walmart. Gosh darn it, guys. Anyway or it's at the store, or whatever TikTok tells you to buy, or whether Instagram, they tell you what life is because they look happy. It looks like they found a way to affect where the coin lands. We all want to know the meaning of life. I do. We've asked that question for thousands of years, and we're desperate for an answer. Kids, right now, you, 12, 13, 14, 15, whatever, you're looking for it too. You're just not old enough yet to realize that's what you're doing. But you can We're desperate for an answer, and we try to find it in so many different places. Why? Why does that question matter, even to people that aren't religious? Because if we believe, if we find the meaning, if we can understand the meaning, if there's a scientific 
uh, I got your attention, Emma. As soon as I said science, she's literally like, hmm? Right? If there is some sort of scientific equation, mathematical equation, if we can see it and it's tangible, then maybe we can find purpose in what we're doing. And if we find that purpose, then all the seemingly meaningless things we do every day begin to matter. Because that's reality. We intrinsically know that with the meaning and purpose, if we know the meaning and purpose of life, with meaning and purpose comes contentment, and in the safety of contentment, joy and peace grow. That's the truth. Like, sometimes, we, and we think of contentment as sort of like the, uh, the generic joy. Listen, clearly happiness isn't going to happen. If I could just be content, right? But I think it's the other way around. I think contentment leads to those things. It's something we're all looking for and longing for and something we spend time and countless resources trying to find. Constantly. You want this, Jack? Because I'm not playing around. Wake up. You don't think this is loaded? Ask him. Ask the worship team. All right? I'm sick of it. You're already here. Wake up. I will shoot you right now with this. Not a real gun. All right? All right. So. I'm trying to help you out here, kid. You're one of the guys that's like, I'll flip that sucker for a year. That's desperate, right? But that's honest. And a lot of people are like that. We intrinsically know that meaning and purpose, (laughs) I was intentional. I meant to shoot him. It just misfired. Uh, That meaning and purpose come contentment, and in the safety of contentment comes joy and peace. It's something you're longing for. You spend money on it, right? If I get the right car, if I get the right house, if I find the right girl, if I find the right guy, if I have a good marriage, if I get more, buy more, if more people see me, if I'm famous, if I'm... Nowadays, I don't know if you know, it's become even more popular than ever because of social media. The big goal is to be a millionaire. It's so hilarious to me, though. I see these young millionaires, and there's a lot of them, right? The internet gives the ability to make money. It's a fact. If you know how to leverage it, you can make money. But these millionaires, guess what? They're not content. They want to be what? Billionaires. Their goal is to be billionaires. That's the truth. They're like, oh, I'm already a millionaire. My my goal is to be a billionaire by 25. It's delusional. Because they think if they get over the next hump, there's the meaning. There's the purpose. Listen, I ain't going to tell you life ain't going to be a little easier, right? I'm all about making that money. But it doesn't bring, it doesn't answer that question. Because if it did, why do the millionaires desperately strive to be billionaires? Because everything they put in the cup doesn't give them the meaning they're looking for. And it's so wild to me as human beings, particularly Christians in the room. Humans do it too. But you Christians, and I can say this because I'm one of you, so it's insulting to all of us. It's unbelievable what you will settle for. You would rather feel safety. You would rather be invisible, not seen, not interacted with. As long as people leave you alone, who cares about contentment, happiness? You will live your life year by year, day by day. What are you waiting for? What is life? If you really think about it, you go to church, but you don't, you, don't, you don't get too loud, but you're not too quiet. You don't hide, but you're not in the front. You don't move. You just do what you're supposed to do, the bare minimum, because that's safe, because the true like meaning, contentment, that's not going to happen. There will come a day, and this is, this is I'll get to this in a minute for myself, when, when we're going we're gonna to be laying, if we're lucky, on a bed, and the end is here. And the question remains, what did we do with it? 
What did we do with it? Did we play it safe? Great, you played it safe. You did what a good Christian is supposed to do, right? Not a great Christian. Not a, well done, my good and faithful servant, but a good Christian. What, 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 what then? That's why you get angry. I always tell that question, and we had a guy here. It's going to stick with me forever. I know it's a God thing. I come to him, and I kind of, I didn't even, it wasn't even, he wasn't in trouble. I always think that. You're not in trouble. I'm not your dad. He's older than me. And I came to the guy, and I said, hey, man, you know, I see you're not here. I see you're, you're, you're not, at, your family's not at church lately. He's a member, right? He's committed. What's going on, man? Everything okay? What more do you, I give my offering. I serve in the children's church. What more do you want from me? Let that sink in. Is that some of you? What more do I want from you? You're here for your daily, weekly pump-up day. But the truth is, and I feel for you too, is you've just given up on meaning, purpose. You just want a, this is my get-out-of-hell-free card, so I'm going to do it just in case. We intrinsically know that we want to have meaning and purpose. And for most Christians, we've accepted the fact that even though we're told Christ died for our sins and we're made in God's that it, it, it doesn't really mean anything. But here's the thing. The reality is we won't find our purpose on accident. We won't find our purpose on accident, except I kind of did last week. See, you're like, Todd, you just told me you didn't. Well, I kind of did. So, you'd like to hear a story? You're like, Todd, it's already done. You've already told me a story. This is a, well, here's another one. Last week, and this is true, everything I'm telling you here, remember, I'm not a great pastor. I even thought about, like, I had a moment when I was, I was like, I probably, like, is this a pastor thing to admit? I don't know. I'm, again, I, there's no book on this, at least that I can find, how to be a good pastor. <clears throat> the Bible, I get what you're saying, right? <clears throat> last week, and I believe it was early last week. I believe it was Tuesday. Leave, maybe when, I don't know. But maybe Monday, who knows? I was very sad. And a couple guys in the room know this. I went to the weight room. I, I sometimes don't get to work out till very late at night, right? Um, just life. And I'm there, and I was actually there by myself. And two of the guys that I know here, right, were in the house. Guys, you probably remember this conversation. You came in. They came in as I was getting ready to leave, really. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'm incredibly sad. And so part of this is your fault, Jericho, so you can pay attention to this. He's like, what do you mean? Yeah, this is you, buddy. So, partially. Now, <clears throat> earlier in the day, Jericho sent me a message and then said, watch this sad video. And I said, I don't want to watch the sad video because it will make me sad. And the video is one that you've all seen, right? Grumpy, I see you in the back there. One of the ones that we've already seen is it's the one, and, and I don't even like to make light of it. It's the little girl. She's dying. Have you ever seen this? And she says things like, thank you for bringing me here, mama, like as she's on the bed. This is real. Mom, it's, I, I, I would never even play it. it. I'll start crying thinking about it. And she's like, can we pray now? And like, she, I'm starting to cry right now. So that was a little bit of a trigger, right? Because somehow, for some foolish reason, I did watch it. Um, so thank you. But that wasn't the only thing. It made me sad. Because she's praying, and yet I still see the same thing you guys do. And I go, man, how, God? How can this happen? Right? The same question. Until you realize, of course, that we messed this up, right? That that's never supposed to happen. And there will come a day when little girls, that doesn't happen anymore. But I was very sad after my workout. 
And it was one of those days, and I, and I can attest to this. If you want me to tell you, Blake and AJ can tell you this. They were there. And I actually said, I'm sad. <laughs> right? right? And it was one of those days in which I, I feel like I messed up a lot. You ever have those days? And then when you mess up a lot, you start thinking about all the other times you messed up. And then I start, you know, I was saying this earlier. Some people, I, a lot of people tend to live in the future. I tend to live in the past. Both aren't good. <clears throat> And, and I felt like I messed up in life, and everything all of a sudden just seemed gray and monotonous and meaningless. And if you've ever had what I'm about to say, you'll get it. If not, you're going to think I'm crazy. Have you ever had those moments when you look out your eyes and you realize that you're looking out your eyes? This, you're, some of you are like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean, right? And all of a sudden, you're looking at your hands like, what is happening here, right? What is happening? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going, Todd, you're crazy. It'll happen one of these days. And in the midst of me feeling sad, the same thing occurred. I was looking around, and I'm like, this is, this is my life. What is this? In an empty gym, in the midst of that, the day's over. I can't run anymore. I stay very busy, and if I'm honest, a big part of that's because I don't want these moments to come. And I know they will. They chase me. You, you ever feel that way? Those thoughts chase me. And I start looking at my life that night and asking myself those really foolish questions. Things like, is this it? Have I already peaked? I'm serious. Am I one of those dudes that they make fun of on movies that, like, I peaked in high school? Maybe I did. I seemed happier. Like, I look back, and if you say, what's the best times in your life, I'm literally that guy. I'm like, that was the best time of my life. Have I wasted my life? And that thought I mentioned earlier, I, I even realized, if I'm blessed, I had this moment in that gym that night, if I'm blessed, I, will ha I may have as many years ahead of me as I do behind, but it's not guaranteed. That's a surreal, surreal thought. It seemed like all my best years are behind me, genuinely. And I get it. You know, people come up to me and they're like, Todd, how can you think that? Like, you had a hand in this, right? And you see these miraculous things every day. But that's the problem, is it doesn't matter what you achieve, right? It doesn't bring purpose. My actions aren't making me feel meaning, having meaning. Time is moving so fast. Guys, I'm telling you, do you ever have that? It's unbelievable. I remember hearing people say, hey, pay attention, Todd, when I'm 16. It's going to go fast. Then I'm 18. Then I'm 21. Then I'm 28, right? That was last year. Now I'm 20. <laughs> Why'd you laugh? Um, I found myself, this is embarrassing, and I admitted this to some people. I found myself envying young people, high schoolers, people like that, because they didn't realize in my, that they're in the best times of their lives. And I'm talking to the two guys, right, Blake and AJ, and they'll tell you they're, you know, two years younger than me. And I told them, I said, do you not understand? Well, it's a, it's a big laugh, Greg. I don't know why. And I said, and I said to them genuinely, and they can tell you this, I said, you guys don't even realize you're in the best time of your life. You don't even realize it. Now, and AJ goes, man, it doesn't feel like it, right? He said that. And that's the funny thing, because when I was where he was at, I probably did the same thing. But now, in hindsight, everything seems like it mat like that was so much better. And that's the trick of life. It's like that saying, anyone like The Office? Man, I, no? Someone literally said no. Anyway, yeah, I love it. Right? And there's a Andy Bernard. He says this, and I quote, it's, it's so powerful. I wish there was a way to know you were in the good old days when you were in them. And that's what it feels like sometimes, right? It, it, you don't know it until it's gone. And I was genuinely sad. I was almost crying, and I blame that video for that part. <laughs> and I shared that with some of the guys. But it was, it was more than the video, right? It really was. 
And though we did talk it out that night and we wrestled with that question, and, and I, I always do this. And they, these guys, I'm very, you know, Remnant House guys, there are people like, oh, they get treated so well and Todd favors them. That's a complete lie. The interns here get treated like garbage typically because um, they have to hear all, they get all the weight and they have to hear me vent and they have to be pushed constantly. It's very difficult. <clears throat> They're good guys. But typically what I do is I process out loud. Funny, huh? I'm talking. I'm processing with you now. And I end up talking myself back, reminding myself of the things I tell you guys. And I just, so I, I kind of had a piece about it that night. And I, 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 I didn't go to bed sad. I felt better. And I really kind of just looked at it, as I mentioned earlier, as one of those days. And maybe tomorrow I wouldn't think of those things and I could start the run again. We could do the chase. Maybe I can get ahead of it this time. I can get two days ahead of it. Maybe I can even get a week ahead of it if I go fast enough. <clears throat> so the next day, and this is true. So let's just say it was Wednesday to Thursday, Tuesday, I don't know. I sat down with someone and was talking about life. I get the, the privilege. One of the best things I get to do beyond preaching God's word, because I love telling, talking about Jesus, is get to be in your lives, some of your lives. I seriously take that very serious. It's incredibly honoring, humbling. It's It's amazing. And I sat down with someone, and I do this a lot, and I was talking about life, and I was hearing the person's heart, I was getting to speak into it, and somehow they're speaking into mine, right, even though I'm here to counsel them. <clears throat> and, and I realized in the middle, literally, of, of, and before you go, you weren't paying attention, I can do many things at once, all right? <laughs> and as they're talking, there was, a, there was kind of a pause, and I realized, man, I'm, I'm actually not just not sad, I'm happy. I feel content and joy and I did. I literally was like, I'm excited to be here. I was even joyful. Somewhat, I put in my notes, somewhat joyful. I mean, I'm never fully, right? All those other things had faded away from the night before, even the video had faded away, and I was in that sweet spot. You know what I'm talking about if you've had it. I'm in that sweet spot in one of those moments that remind you of the good in life. Like, this is where I'm supposed to be right now, right? The rest of it doesn't matter because right now matters. You mean shoot a gun again? Is that what I have to do for you guys to wake up? This is silly. I told you, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but I want you to pay attention. Of course, in the middle of the talk, as I'm talking, and, and you, you can go up right now. I should have brought it. I could prove it because I have my notes. When someone's talking, I write because I don't <laughs> processing. I want to remember what I said. I don't want to interrupt. You can't really counsel people if they can't talk. <clears throat> in the middle of the talk, the question came to me, what's the difference Twelve hours earlier, I was sad, depressed, and had no meaning, no purpose. Everything seemed like the best days were behind me. But now in this moment, <clears throat> that in a, in a stage of life that the person I'm speaking to may never even remember the specifics of ever. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't remember in a year. But in that moment, I was in joy. That's what I'm going to call it. I was in it. It was around me. I was immersed in it. Then it hit me. I did. I put... I felt like I had a purpose, that I was doing something that mattered. And in that realization, Joyce brought it up. And I wrote down on my notes, it's upstairs, you can find it, I just wrote one sentence. I said, life, I'm, life is found in our purpose. That's what I wrote on the notes that I was counseling someone. I just had to write it down. Life is found in in our purpose, life. You know that verse, John 10, 10, I have come to give you life and give it to the full, Jesus said. Life.
Life is found in our purpose. You see, here's the thing. I had accidentally, right? I had accidentally been living in my purpose in that moment. I didn't mean to. And maybe I'd miss it most other times. But in that moment, I had accidentally lived in my purpose. And I started to think, what is that purpose? And more importantly, how can I repeat it? Because I like this feeling, <laughs> right? No one wants to be mopey like you guys most of the time. I want to be joyful, right? I want to be, I want to feel like life matters. Can it be repeated? And here's the answer I've come to, yes. But you don't believe that. You don't. Because here's where the pastor gives you pastor talk. <clears throat> Stay with me. The answer is yes. So I started thinking through what does that mean? All right, studying scripture again. And I it wasn't doing it to tell you guys anything. I'm doing it for myself. Selfishly, I could care less about you in that moment. I wanted to know how to repeat it. So I came to a verse. Well, I'll tell you the verse I thought of that I'm going to come to later. It's one that immediately came to my mind in Mark, but I'll come to that in a minute. Ephesians 2.10, right? Ephesians 2.10, listen. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. That's a lot of wordy stuff, right? And Ephesians is a big book, and, you can, and even though people quote this and they know it, do you really think about what it's saying here? For we are his creation. God created you. Do you believe that? Do you believe God created you? You say, yeah, but do you? Because if you did, you have value, right? He created you. Okay, so I, I started thinking, what does that mean? I'm, I'm God's creation. What did, he, he, he created in Christ Jesus, right? He renewed me. That Christ Jesus part makes sense because now I've been reborn. I've been reborn for good works. Maybe that will help you. Which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. Let me put it in a different way. You're like, oh, God has set up my stages. No. He set the stage for you to do good things. He has told us how to do that. He has told us these, these good works with which, for which we were created, he already is ahead of it and has, has cleared the path. He has cleared the path to purpose. That's what that has to mean. And the purpose is good work. So all of you are like, great, that's why I come to church. But that doesn't help me feel good. I don't think it means that. If it meant that, then the Pharisees would have, Jesus would have been like, hey, Pharisees, you're awesome. Because they were doing all the religious acts. It means more than that. Because some of you are very, very good at doing the religion. The religion. You're great. And I'm not mocking you. Praise God. It's, there's a place for discipline. But listen, lifeless discipline is lifeless faith. It's very easy for a believer, you can't, remember you can't lose your salvation, you've been here, but it's very easy for a believer to slide into pharisaical territory and not even know it. It doesn't mean you're arrogant. It means you're trying, like I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. So I thought about that. Okay, well then, through my studying and stuff, and this is true, this is me. You know, at the end of the day, this is just, this sermon's pretty much for me, I guess. 12, Romans 12.1. Hey, coin flippers, pay attention. Therefore... Brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Okay. And the only reason I came to that, I've thought of this many other times, right? Hey, you need you to leave your, lead your, my goodness, live your life for Jesus, right? Yeah, that's true. But when you connect that to Ephesians, it starts to have a kind of a different meaning, right? I mean, or it fills it out. Remember, hey, we are his creation. Create, reborn for good works through Christ, which God prepared ahead of time. So we walk in, he's cleared the path. All right, so there's the path, and it's almost like God continues by saying, therefore, 
through Paul, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So I see myself at this path that God is all of a sudden my eyes are open. Todd, I've created you. I've created you for a good purpose. That's to do good works. Here's the beautiful thing. It's right there. The path is there. Follow that. And I'm still standing there. I'm like, okay, God. Then he's continuing to pump up, right? He's like, so I want you to present yourselves as you walk as a living sacrifice. I want your life to be holy and pleasing to me. Immediately when I say the word holy and you think holy, you think boring. You do. Right, Eli? It's boring. He's like, maybe not. <laughs> if I say your name, I like you. You know, you're not in trouble. <clears throat> I urge you to present your bodies as living, sacred, holy, and pleasing to God. And then he, God's like, hey, this is your spiritual worship. Well, God, I thought you wanted me to go to church. I thought you wanted me to do all these things. I didn't stutter. Right? Walk down this path and live your life in a way that is pleasing to me. Well, the next thing you think is, what's well, pleasing to me? Right? Are you thinking, guys, or disinterested? I don't know. Raise your hand if it's thinking. I'm not going to make you raise your hands disinterested. It'll, it'll make me sad. All right? <laughs> so that was just to feel my ego. Thank you. <clears throat> well, then here's, I already know it's going to be boring because you're Christians. And if you're not, then it'll be exciting. But you already think you know because you hear it all the time. And it makes me mad to talk to you. That's why I love evangelism because you get to tell this good news to people who recognize that it's good. Christians, you stop thinking that. That's why you're always like this. I don't think Jesus walked around like that. That's just my face. I hate when you say that. Okay, this is just my face, then, when you come to talk to Pastor Todd. Hi, Todd. Hello. That, that's, that's not, I don't care what's natural. I have a face that naturally looks like a caveman, right? That's going to intimidate you, I've been told. But if you meet me, I just talk to guys about this, too. I'm a goobery guy. But if you didn't know me, it's like, why did you nod at that, Hannah? Anyway, if you, but, but I've been told that my very, this is, I shouldn't even tell you, bushy eyebrows and caveman forehead can make me scary, right? So, I'm just completely off topic. Change your face, all right? But listen, so I'm at, I'm at, we, we the meaning, the purpose, I'm, I've been told that I've been made for a purpose. The purpose is on this trail. He's prepared it. He's told me. Now I need to walk it and live it in such a way that pleases him. Well, well how do I do that, right? That's the next question. Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31, and I know you know it. It's tied to what's the most important thing is Jesus, and Jesus says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. Okay, Todd, I get it. It's the love God, love people speech. No, that's the problem. We don't think. And when, even though he says pursue it with all your mind, you have to think about these things. What does that mean? Okay, God, I'm here, and I'm asking him what to do, and he says, hey, this is, what, this is holy and pleasing to me. Just these two things. Love me with everything in you, and love the people that are along the path. Everyone you meet, love them. And you're like, oh, that sounds great. Todd, this isn't, this isn't making me find meaning. Stay with me. We have, to, we have to ponder that. Remember, this is my own study. And then I finally ended here, and I'm going, how does this all fit? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. What if I just work in a factory making widgets? Well, God is implying that somehow there is a way that you can do that for the glory of God. And it's tied to the verse before, to those two commands. 
But I don't want to leave you with that because that doesn't satisfy my heart. Hearing love God and love it doesn't satisfy my heart. It doesn't feel like a meaning, but that's because I'm not thinking of it tangibly. I'm thinking of it as like these floaty theological terms instead of real life direction. I, from the very beginning, you, whether you believe or not, were created in the image of God. It says that. God made them, right? In his image, male and female, he made them. You are living statues of God's glory. Now, when I say that, you're like, oh, that's neat. No, what do we do statues for? What are statues for? When we put a statue of Michael Jordan outside of the Bulls arena, why why is that there? Anyone know? Is it actually Michael Jordan? Right? No. Some of you are like, I don't know. No, it's not. So, but it's a statue of him. What's its purpose? It is, yeah, it is. We don't want to say that. It's to glorify him and what he did. Go in any stadium and they're going to put their best players there to glorify what they did. If you're a scientist, they're statues of scientists, okay? It does, it's to glorify that person, to give honor. That's what you are. You are shaped in the likeness of the creator. And when you walk around, when we're living in purpose, we are bragging about what he's done and who he is. By our, very lo- by our very being. Well, I don't feel like a good statue. It doesn't matter. That's what you are. Even the people that don't believe are statues. They're just not bringing glory. So that's in my heart. That's in your heart. And it's tied to those two things, right? That's what I told myself. So if you know me, I'm a question asker. It's annoying. And I can't stay there. And I'm not going to leave you there. And I said this to the team earlier. And I don't mean this arrogantly, but listen... I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do for you, but I know myself, and I'm a questioner, and I tear things apart, and like I ask and ask and ask because i got to find the answer, and this satisfied my heart, and I believe it can yours if you actually think about it. Whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. You're made in God's image to do what? To do good works that he's told us, essentially this plan. You were reborn to walk this path, and along this path, you're supposed to what? Love God, love people as yourself, and then whatever you do on that path, whether I'm stopping to make a campfire, where I'm hunting for deer, whether I'm playing Yahtzee, somehow I can do that for the glory of God. That seems weird. How can I play Yahtzee for the glory of God? Well, when I'm spending time with my grandparent, maybe a kid playing Yahtzee, am I not loving them? Am I not? Does that not fulfill that purpose? But it doesn't feel holy and good enough. It's all tied to that. King Solomon, he existed, right, historically. You'll find some historians that'll still try to say he didn't, but we found evidence. Remember, guys, in men's group, we even talked about the, the copper mines. Remember that they found that now they're going, even non-believers are like, listen, this guy existed. And he was filthy rich. And he, uh, by all accounts, we know, because the Bible is true, that he was the wisest man that at his time had ever lived, Right? So, we also know, I mean, know off the top of their head how many wives he had? Just a lot, huh? 300, is that true? Because that's impressive if you know, right? 300. And then on top of that, he had concubines, meaning women that he just enjoyed spending time with. Let's just call it that, right? So he had that. He had people coming to him. He was chosen by God, right? God spoke to him, gave him wisdom. He had everything that you or I want. The thing that right now you're saying, if I just had this, life would have meaning. And you know what he said in Ecclesiastes right off the bat? Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. 
Look it up. And I used to think, what in the world is that doing in the Bible? I didn't read on. He spends the majority of that book explaining what happened. I have lived my life. I have had money. More money than we're going to have. I've bought everything you could, any human could ever want. I have won wars. I have more wives. I have slept with more women. I've had the most beautiful women in the world. I've seen incredible things. I've been given honor. I've conquered. I have everything that any human being could ever have, and it's dirt. Reminds me of that uh, remake of Johnny, the Johnny Cash song, Hurt, right? It's done by someone else when he says you can have this, what is it, empire of dirt? the end of his life, and he's flashing with all these pictures. You know, Johnny Cash, famous guy, right? And at the end of it, he just, it's, just a, it's just an empire of dirt. And that's what King Solomon said. And then he says something interesting at the end. The same thing he says, essentially, worshiping God and obeying his commands right, is the only thing that has meaning. I have found, see, and you're going, if Jeff Bezos came here, if I got him here, every one of you pay attention. Isn't that sad? But if Jeff Bezos, a non-believer, sat here and said, hey, I'm a billionaire, I'm the richest man in the world, and guess what, guys, it's worthless. He just sets a million dollars on fire. You'd pay attention. And that's what this is. The Jeff Bezos of the ancient world says it's all meaningless. But you think if you get the wife, you get the car, you get the money, you get the husband, right? Your kids are good, everything's great, you're ha- then you'll be happy, but why aren't you then? Those things are good. All of those things are beautiful, right? We know that because of other parts of Scripture. But in and of themselves, they're not the point. And you know it. I have so many friends. Oh, I can't wait to get married. Once I'm married, it's good. And they're so excited. And it is beautiful, right? And then it's, I'm so excited. I've, I've got that job. i got the raise, okay? What's next? Now I'm going to have kids. Now what's next? And all those things are awesome. That's, there has to be more to it. And so the answer that I've come to, and the answer I'm going to give you today, looks like you might get a shorter one. You'll be very happy. Right? The answer I'm going to give you is not exciting. It's not um, some new revelation, because the reality is I'm not as wise as King Solomon, and I'm not as good a preacher as Paul, so what's been said has been said. But I discovered this again, and I think that... Sometimes the best answer, the most true answer, is the one that you don't really want to accept because you want something new. So I'm going to tell you, and we're going to talk about this week, bottom line is, your purpose is found when you are doing two things, and I mean this, when you are loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and we'll talk about what that means, because why? You were made to be in relationship with him, and when you are loving other people as yourself. When you do those two things, now here's the problem. We all say we do that, and I'm still unhappy, Todd. No, you don't. You don't every day love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you don't even love other people as yourself every day. You don't. Well, sure I do, Todd. I'm, I'm a counselor, and I help people every day. That doesn't mean you're loving them. You're doing your job. Every day, you're not doing that. I know you're not. I'm not. The best people in the world maybe aren't. But those people that live in purpose and enjoy have understood this simple thing. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to challenge you. I thought of different ways. Do you want purpose? Right? No? Do you want joy? Seriously, listen. Pretend again. We'll do the coin flip. Do you want joy? You said you'd flip a coin. 
Some of you said you'd do it, especially when I went daily, you'd flip a coin. Okay, perfect. Because instead of flipping a coin, I'm going to tell you what to do every day, and I guarantee, and I don't say this often, I guarantee you will be living in your purpose. Does that mean you won't have good days? I mean, bad days? No. Circumstances may be bad, but you will live in your purpose if you do these. So I dare you to flip the coin and do these. You are willing to wake up every morning and flip a quarter for the possibility of finding your purpose and joy. I'm about to tell you something that if you do every day, you will find your purpose and your joy. It's not true, Todd. That's insane. Because you haven't tried. You haven't. You haven't tried for a week. I used to, you know, I read that in a book once or a long time ago when it comes to the battle against lust for men, right? Oh, I've been fighting a good fight. No, you didn't. You waited five minutes and gave in. That's not a fight. You don't know what would have happened on minute six. You don't know what would happen on day three of pursuing these two things with everything in your heart and soul. You give up. I give up because we're petulant children, and we don't want to wait. We don't want to seek. I'm not even telling you you have to wait. I believe if you do this today... If you do what I'm about to tell you today, you will feel, fill, there's my southern, you will feel more peace and purpose and joy and contentment today. So finding purpose this week, that's your list. Right? This week, number one, it's not flashy. Number one, pray. I'm telling you to pray every single day. Now here's the problem with all of you. Some of you in this room, I know you don't. When I, if I came down right now and asked you to pray, you'd be like, I don't pray. I love believing God, but I don't pray. No, you don't. You imagine getting married and never talking to your spouse ever? I know I'm married and I believe in my marriage, but, you know, I don't need to talk to him. I'm too embarrassed to talk to him. That's what some of you are. You won't admit it because you're tough men. It's usually men. I don't talk to God out loud, just in my heart. You're a chicken. That's just what it boils down to. Every single day, and if you want a time to remember it, just once a day. In the morning, pray. What is prayer? It's not this. Oh, hallowed Father, thy name be holy as thy surrounded by the mighty cherubs. Will thou listen to my plea as I layeth my form upon thy bosom, whatever, right? That is not what you do. Here's prayer. Father, thanks for giving me breath today. Help me as I wake up when my feet hit this ground. Help me to find my purpose. Put in my path the people I need to lead, love, and serve. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it. It's a conversation. I can't, you know, I'm going to do a sermon on prayer, but it'll end up being pretty short. Talk to God. And here's the thing. Everybody in this room, I know, I, I believe you're saved, but you don't talk to God every day. I almost want to ask you, but then, I, you know, because see if you'd admit it. Can some of you even admit it to yourselves that you don't talk to God every day? But you were made to be in relationship with him. He was made to talk to you. Do you know it's not a wall? What if I told you that the times he spoke to Moses was exactly what you feel when God's speaking to you? But when he recorded it, right? I'm talking about the burning bush times, other times. It was right there. God's speaking to him when we go, no, it had to be. It always has to be a burning bush. If it isn't, God's not talking to me. No. He's like quiet, still voice, isn't he? That's it. And here's what's going to happen. Can you do that for one week, you chickens? I'm trying to appeal to, the, appeal to the competitors. The other people that fold under that, would you like to try? Right? 
Right? Would you like to possibly try prayer? Maybe. Do that every day. Listen, I'm going to do it with you. I do. That, that's one area. You know what? I tear myself down a lot. I do live a life of praying unceasingly. There's not a day that goes by I don't talk to God. That's a fact. That's the one thing that I know that I do. Really the only one. But you can come to a place in your life, and I remember when that clicked, that I don't even have to go, that hallowed father. I just go, I'm driving down the road. I'm like, man, Lord, today's a hard day. I need you. That's it. Every day this week, you flip a coin. If I give you a magic coin, you told me you'll do that. Why wouldn't you pray? It's a magic prayer. Will you do it now? Right? Do it. Every day. It's not exciting, but I promise you, it's the beginning. Number two. You're not going to like this one either because you, it's boring. Read the Bible every day. So I told my buddy, hope he's okay with me telling him this. He said this. It was AJ. I shouldn't have said All right. So AJ's whole life, and I, I, this isn't me. It kind of makes me sad that in all the years that we've been friends and mentor and all stuff, I never told him this. He's talking about reading the Bible, right? He just wheezed. That was him. Um, that it boils down to, I said, hey, man, you don't have to read an entire chapter. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, you don't have to read an entire chapter of the Bible every day. He goes, oh. I go, sometimes I read two verses, and I actually think about what it's saying. And that's it. Like, when I read the Bible, guys, this is the truth. Unless I'm, you know, studying particularly. I just read. I pray every time before, Lord, help me understand. And I just read it, and then I, I love to read. I can read fast, but I read again and go, what is this actually saying? I'm going to put aside my bias. I'm going to put aside everything. What is it saying? Now, how does that apply to me? Every day. Do it every day. Well, I don't read the Bible. Yeah, well, there you go again. If only I had a way that could tell me the right and wrong ways to approach life and get success. I'm going to go spend 30 bucks on Oprah's book. You have it right here for free. It's the Bible. All right? Call it the 7,000 Habits of Highly Successful People. Whatever you want to call it that will make you read it. Pick the book up and read it. What do I read, Todd? I don't know. Pick one. If you open numbers and you go, this doesn't make any sense, then move. Who says somehow that's a failure because you don't want to read the book of numbers? I don't want to read that. Okay, it has a purpose, but I don't read that every day. So find one and read it. Todd, what's the best book? Listen, I'm going to tell you the same thing every day. If you can only read, read a gospel every day. Read Romans. Read Corinthians. Read Ephesians. Read Philippians. You want to feel good? Read Philippians. You want to get torn up and be reminded? Read Galatians. Either way, right, it's going to tell you, and it's got, you can feel it, and you walk away with a new understanding. You know, on this earth, everything's a shadow of what's to come. It's hard to keep the, the veil off. I love the picture in Scripture when, when Paul's kind of describing this, and, it, and, and C.S. Lewis talks about it. I'm going to butcher it. It's a beautiful thing, right? And, and it's like looking in a mirror, and God's the mirror, and my reflection is becoming more like him every day. But it can only do that if we read what he's about and we talk to him. You have to do it every day. I've already lost you. Do it every day. You magic coin flippers. Read the book, the, the word of God every day. Just this week. Do it one week from now till Sunday. Can you do that? Really? Because I don't see putting your, picking your phones up. You don't do it right now. And putting in, because I can see what happens. And it's Facebook time. No. And putting an alarm saying every day. If that's what, if I, quit waiting to be, well, I'm just going to wholly remember. It hasn't happened so far for you, so do it. You won't miss an appointment in your book. Don't miss an appointment with God. Put it in your schedule. That's what you have to do. When's the best time? Whatever time you can read it. 
Number three, this is very, very important. Every day, and you don't do this every day. I want you, and God wants you, and it's scriptural, to serve and love someone, and I had to put this tangibly every day, because a lot of you will walk by and go, what a nice person, and go, I did my good deed. I love them. No, I want you to love them in a way that it can be seen by them and even by you. Every day, look for someone to love or serve. Here's the thing. One of the days it can be your spouse. That's it. You should be doing that anyway. Pick someone else every day. When I was sitting in that room with this person, I wasn't trying to find my purpose. I wasn't even trying to, I truly wasn't being selfish. But in that moment, something holy was happening. Something anointed. You want those words? Something God-given, God-inspired, right? And God-honoring was happening in that moment. From me to them and them to me. And I know God was pleased. And guess what? So was I. Stop waiting to do something. If I meet a homeless person, I'll give them a sandwich. You know, if, if this happens, I'll do this. People at school, you don't do it every day. Here's an easy way for you. Are you willing to talk to the kid that no one else talks to? Because I already know I love you guys. I love our kids. But I know you don't because I've watched you do it. You won't even talk to each other sometimes around your cool friends. That's a simple way. People see that. And even if it seems like in the moment it's not making a difference, right? That's leadership, isn't it? That's servant leadership. Seeing the people that no one else wants you to associate with them and tangibly loving them because that's what Jesus did. See, the cool kids, the Pharisees are like, hey, come hang with us. Why are you hanging with them? And that's exactly where Jesus went every time. And adults, things don't change. The school just changes. Whether it's work or something else, serve someone tangibly. Look for it. Because something crazy happens. You start to see life as more than a random series of events. It starts to become, we use this phrase all the time here at the remnant, and many churches do, but I mean it, kingdom work. It becomes us pushing back against the domain of darkness, even in instance, right? It's us glorifying God. People are going to look at these statues and go, what in the world? <laughs> You're being different, and I don't know why. Well, I'm grumpy today. I don't care. You get up and go to work when you're grumpy because somebody's giving you that money. God gives you far more. Every day this week, are you willing to look for and tangibly love someone? And I have to add some stuff because you all try to find loopholes. One day can be your spouse, okay? A couple days can be people you know. It needs to be people outside this church. It needs to be strangers, right? Funny story, and I, this was not planned. I just happened to see Jess. She didn't realize it. I didn't realize it. Jess used to work at a gas station that I attended and bought rock stars, right, Jess? All the time, all right? And my card never worked. That was the other thing I was known for. She had to put in a plastic bag. It worked 12 times. She's laughing because it's true. But here's the thing that happened over time. I wasn't trying. I got to know her, interested in her. She was interested in me, and something happened, and now guess what? Here she is, right? I don't know why. You'd have to ask her, right, <laughs> like why she came when I invited her eventually. But that wasn't even my purpose, and I'm not even but. But that moment, those moments mattered, right? And had year consequence now, right? However long it's been, 10 years, 8 years, whatever. You don't know what God's going to do with a moment. I know that there's people that reached out to me even when I knew Jesus. I just said this, Andy, you know, I, I, this, is, this is a true story. So 
Gina, I'm bragging your husband a little bit. So I'm really mad. You know, I talk about this tough time of my life when everyone left. Again, go watch Broken Car to talk about two, 10 years ago. I live in the past a lot. And I had sort of lumped him in with a lot of the people in my life who I'd worked with in ministry that turned away from me. Because I don't know why. Because he was friends with him. And I was going through looking unrelated for notes. And I remember this moment. As soon as I, this happened, I cried again. You're like, you cry all the time. Not in front of you. And <clears throat> there was an email when the whole world had left me, and it just said, you got to listen to this. And it's like, hey, man, and I'm going to butcher it. I wish I should read it to you, but that essentially said, hey, there's a song called, song? My goodness, song called Start Over. Hey, man, I hope it reminds you that God's, uh, you know, mercies are new every day. I'm about to cry now. That one moment of kindness when the whole world hated me, that change that I remember distinctly, right, that being Something that made me hold on a little longer. Okay, somebody out there sees something of value in me. Now, let me put it all together for you. I don't know what would have happened if he didn't. But maybe I wouldn't be here right now. And if you've ever, by the grace of God, heard the gospel through me, and you're here because of that, maybe that wouldn't have happened if someone hadn't loved me tangibly in one small way. You see, it's a ripple. It makes an impact. Look for someone to love tangibly every day. Can you do that? That's going to mean you can't always go to work like this. Lunchtime. Sandwich. Milk. Oreo. That's what some of you all do. Work has to be life too. It can't be living for the weekend. It means being aware and looking for someone to love every day. Number four, and this one is a little more fun, and I think it's scriptural too. Do something you love every day. What do you mean, Todd? I don't know. For me, I love to read. I very rarely read for fun anymore, right? I'm just giving shout-outs today. Tim bought me a book a while ago. I <laughs> got you, Tim. Anyway, uh, he was having a good time with old uh, AJ. AJ, leave him alone. And... Um, he bought me this book, right? And it's, it's, uh, I, I, he, he's a great gift giver. I just mentioned, I was like, man, I hope to read this book. It was a new one. <clears throat> and I, I haven't done a great job, but I started reading it. But that's something I enjoy. And I'm not talking about reading to learn, just something fun, right? Maybe for you, I don't know what it is. It's, it's walking. Don't make it, not something you need to do. Stop that. Well, I enjoy canning food, and also that's necessary. I get it. But that doesn't count. Something you enjoy. I don't care. Even if it's watching a TV show sometimes. Something you enjoy and not feel guilt and understand that your father, who gives good gifts, is completely content and happy with you praising him for the ability to do something you love. I love my baby, and when she smiles, I act a fool. I'll do 55 things over and over and act like a dog chasing her to see her sprint and run away. If you haven't seen it, I'll show you later. I will do that a thousand times with my bad back and my bad knees over and over because she likes it. And it's the same with God. He wants us to enjoy things. How often do you let yourself do something you love to do for fun without feeling guilty? I already know some of you. Some of you that are incredible servants, you are amazing servants, and that does please God. But did you know God's just as pleased with you when you just sit and play with your toys in his presence? Because if you, your kids that kind of joy came, he feels the same for you. So here we go. This week, every day, do something you enjoy. And I want you to think about God while you're doing it. That's it. Just a simple, like, thank you for this opportunity to play Uno. I don't know. Right? Can you do that? Some of you are going, 
Can you do that? Do you want to do that? Well, I don't have time for that. All right, well, then you aren't going to find purpose. Every day, yes or no? Can you do that for one week? (laughs) All right. Number five, this is important too, and I mentioned it earlier, and it's come up so many times. I told you, AJ said this, we didn't plan it. Did he say in the moment, pre-service, promise you we didn't talk, we never talk, especially on a Sunday. Anyway, he did that on his own. Be in the moment. What does that mean? Stop waiting. Stop looking towards the next stressful thing. Stop. Tomorrow I've got to go to work. Stop. You're here right now at 1230 on a Sunday. You're not at work. Be here at 1230. Because when you're at work tomorrow, you're going to wish you were here at 1230. Be in the moment. You're there having to get, change your kid's diaper for the 18th time at night. Be in the moment. In the middle of the night, and you're tired and you're mad because you've already changed his or her poopy diaper 12 times, why don't you sit and be in that moment and view it as a holy moment that you're someday going to look back and say, I missed the times when my baby was in a diaper? Or are you going to think about the sleep you're not getting? Does that help you find purpose? Stay up past your bedtime a little bit and be okay with it. You're still going to get up, unless you're Josh, right? (laughs) He knows. You got to get one of those beds. I saw an alarm bed. The whole thing flips you out. Yeah, you make one, yeah, right? Do that. When you're in meal, I'm going to meal because I need to be in community, and that's what I do, and I'm going to eat my food and leave. No, just sit there. What do I say to people? Nothing. Just be in the moment. Be in the moment. Because guess what is incredible? This is something I, I'm trying to remember. And this, this is all, remember, this is mine. I'm just sharing with you. You don't like it. I don't care. I'm getting something out of it. Did you know that the Lord of Lords, the King of the universe, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, right? the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the Lion, the Lamb, Good Father, did you know he's in the moment? He's not just in the past, and he's not just in the future. He's in the moment. Why would you miss it? Why would you miss it? Right? Therefore, whatever you do, do everything for God's glory. How can you be doing everything for God's glory if you're already thinking about the next moment? If you're already thinking about the past, you're missing that thing, right? You get what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Give me something. I'll keep talking until somebody nods. Okay. Anybody like, I did nod. The people that aren't nodding, I need some from you. Yeah. Be in the moment. You can choose to do that. Sometimes I just have to go, really, that's how I do it sometimes. One of the times I do it most, and it's become a tradition, is the baptism service every year. You can ask Tim this. We tend to do this. It's become like a weird ritual that I don't think we meant to do. I'll come back at some point. I'm looking at everything. Some of you have been there when I do it, and I just take in what God has done. And I'm not thinking about cleanup. And I'm not thinking about making sure everybody gets their pictures. And I'm not thinking about all I'm thinking about is how incredible this moment is where heaven met earth for a day. Where people (laughs) became living statues of God's glory. It's incredible. Take it in. Stop looking at the clock right now. (laughs) Who cares? Be in the moment. And I've got a bonus for you that's not going to be up there. It's so important. And I know this is from, I believe this is from God. I guess I shouldn't say that. 
because it, it only came to me today. I wrote it in pen back here during worship, and I looked around, and I realized it's beautiful, man. This place is filling and filling. I could tell you some crazy stories, right, about statistically where we're at from world standards as a church. You know you're, this isn't just a little church that could. You realize that, right? We're in a high percentage now, right? It's growing in a time when they aren't. That comes with a responsibility. It's not, it's not a bragging thing. It's a responsibility anyway, side note. But I was thinking, every day spread the good news. When you read in Acts 2, our whole church, every church should be sort of built around this. But Acts 2, you see it in our little beginning video, right? And they gather together every day for the teaching, breaking of bread, right? The beautiful thing at the end of Acts 2 is that sentence that says, and their number were added to daily. Because people were amazed at what they were seeing. Spread the good news. So yes, sometimes that just means by doing the other things, loving people, being different, being joyful, not doing this. The whole world does this. You know what's different? This. <laughs> right? That's different. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> but also, if you go a whole day without saying the name Jesus to someone, it seems pretty weird when your entire life is meant to follow him. Well, I say it to my Christian friends. Mm. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Right? Along the path, you're going to meet people. And some people know the king and some don't. But either way, one of the topics of conversation right, should be the king. To tell them that where they're headed it's incredible that the king's coming back. So you're going to come play some music. I'm going to leave you with this briefly. And I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, I don't do this often. If you're going to respond to God today, you ain't getting 25 minutes to get yourself worked up. You're just going to have to be obedient and move, all right? I don't know what he's telling you to do. But this time is, is altar time. That's what we call it. And it's really just the time God's here. You know, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. That means he's in the room. Well, that's nice symbolism, Todd. No, that's the truth. He's here. Did you know that? God is here. That makes it kind of weird, huh? You kind of, right? God is here. He's speaking to you today. Maybe it's, I'm an imperfect person, an imperfect speaker. I'm not a great messenger, but the message is great. And the message is anointed and it's powerful and it's good news. I want to ask you something. Are you looking for purpose, but you're just flipping a coin every single day? How many good days have you had in the last week? last month, last year, last 10 years. Which one's more? Because I tell you this, friends, brothers, sisters that know Jesus in the room, if it, and some of you, this is you, even though you know him. A lot more bad days than good. You've called it wrong a lot more than you've called it right. And that stinks, right? And it, and it hurts, and you try, to, you try to hide. What I'm asking you is, what if you just stopped flipping the coin and you were purposeful about finding your purpose? What if you did that? What if you did these things? I know you don't do it. I know you don't. I don't, but we can. And what do you have to lose? The worst that's going to happen is you continue to have more bad days than good, but that's not going to happen. It doesn't matter. I, you know, some of you that are older than me in the room, it's funny how time is, right? You can look at me and be like, man, that guy's got his whole life ahead of him. And I look at the people behind me and they go, man, they got their whole life ahead of him. And some guy that's 105 looks at you and says, man, that guy had his whole life ahead of him. It's not too late to live purpose, to live in the purpose, not by accident, by being intentional. 
Why don't you stop trying to accidentally find it and look for where God put your purpose? It's simple, but it's easy to forget. I'm not saying this to you because this is good talk. I'm telling you because this is what I found for myself and I'm going to do my best to live out of because I want that feeling again. I want to know that I'm in that sweet spot where God's purpose, right, and my desires are meeting because when I live my purpose, that happens a lot more often than it doesn't. So if you're in the room today and you're honestly, some of you might be having that moment for the first time where you're kind of looking at your hands I described earlier where you're at least going, man, like, I'm seen for a minute. I'm here. And if you're present today, that means God took those blinders off for a reason because he doesn't want you to live in blinders. He wants you to live in truth and purpose and meaning and joy and contentment and all those beautiful things. I don't know how it's going to work. I'm not saying you're not going to be sad. I'm not saying you're not going to be mad. What I'm saying is you're going to live in your purpose. And when you're living in your purpose, when those moments come, it all still seems to have a point. And if it has a point, then it has meaning. And if it has meaning, we can find contentment in the worst of situations, right? Paul said that, I have found this to be true, that in all situations, I can be content, right? That's what he said paraphrase it but he said that how did that happen because he knew I'm living in my purpose and I know how the story ends are you that person are you running from thing to thing and thing and you're like oh, 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 you know chicken with your head cut off is that you that's not what God wants of you have you been running to women whether it's virtual or a warm body have you been running to men whether it's virtual or a warm body or in your mind huh money clothes status religion what have you been running for that's only doing the fill in the cup a little bit your job I'm a really great whatever and yet you're lonely and broken and hurting you're meant for more so maybe today the response for you is to come before God and say Lord I'm sorry that I've looked for my purpose in other places I want what you have for me or maybe you're just going to sit and praise him for giving you purpose that's fine too whatever God's calling you to do listen to me he's calling you to do something that's a fact you think you're here in this altar moment just to sit there and go, I can't wait for these people to do what God wants them to do. That's you. Some of you all can't focus for five minutes. That proves you're not in the moment. And if you don't know Jesus, then you're never really going to find your purpose. I'm sorry. You might get close. That's why, that's why we love feel-good stories. Did you know that? That's why the whole world's like, well, look at this person who took care of the homeless and this person that took care of the sick person. Even right, the, the news stations will tell these people, you know why? Because it's a glimpse of a holy God, even if they don't know it's him. If you don't know Jesus, that's the first step. It's real simple. God made everything, and we ruined it. And you know it. You walked away from him. Maybe you've lived your whole life never knowing him. You know it. Yeah, there might be a God, but Jesus, and something about that makes me uncomfortable. That's why you know it's real. Sin entered the world because we rejected God's authority, his sovereignty, and because of that, like a branch off a tree. That's what it is. We're dying. And all of the evil that we do and the world does is what happens when the creation is away from the creator. Bad things happen. You can't pay the price. The price is death for your sins. That doesn't seem fair. It is fair. Trust me. Every evil thing you've done that people have seen or not seen, every thought he sees, the standard is perfection, and you fall woefully short. I'm sorry. So do I. And at the end of the day, someday you will stand before a holy God and be judged by the way you live your life. Did you achieve perfect holiness? 
Well, the fact is, none of you did. So guess what that means? You will be eternally separated from God. There will be no joy and no peace and no contentment. That is what hell is. Hell is real, and it will not be fun, and it will not care whether you believe in it or not. It's real. So you stand before God to be judged by your life, or you accept the miracle that happened in Jesus Christ. When we couldn't find our way to him, when we couldn't be holy and perfect enough, God himself invaded this earth. Jesus of Nazareth existed. God made flesh. He told us about the kingdom, told us about our purpose, and then he did something incredible. He did something that would enable us to live in our purpose forever and have a point to our lives and be reborn, right, for good works. Jesus died on the cross to take your punishment, to take the penalty for what you've done and what you're going to do past, present, or future for, the future for the addictions that you're in that you say, if I can just beat this, I'll be good. He's already there. He's already forgiven you. He took it. Jesus died on the cross. He's the only one that's experienced true separation from the Father. I believe that, right? Why else did he say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he was utterly alone, experienced, for lack of a better word, hell, so you don't have to. And on the third day after his death, he rose from the dead to prove that he is who he said he was, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Right? The Lamb of God, the one who took your punishment and stood in your place. So, those of you that, that know right now if you stand before God today that you're not going to be with him, that you're going to hell, you can have peace to know that you're not, that you will be with God. I don't care if you're 12 years old or 95 years old. I don't care if you fooled people or you haven't. You and God are the only ones that know this to be true or not. If you can't be confident in that, you better do something. Well, Todd, what do I do? The Bible makes it very clear. You believe God. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your lips, that means say it, that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. If you say, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. I accept it. I want what you offer on the cross. Here's my junk. I know I can't do it on my own. Give me your holiness. He will. He'll take all the junk you've done and give you the benefits of his perfect, spotless life forever. And Jesus said he'll never let you go. Well, I'm still screwed up, Todd. I'm still mad. I'm still a drunk. I'm still a drug addict. I'm still a sex addict. I'm still addicted. I'm st it doesn't matter. He'll never let go of you, and he's going to turn you into what you were always meant to be. Whatever you do today, you know this. Don't leave the same as you came in, because if you do, you are choosing to not live in your purpose. You're choosing to.